Welcome everyone to episode 69 of the Slow Spin Sidey podcast. My name is Paul, and joining me as always are Rob and Amanda. Yo, what's up, guys? Yo, 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 yo! Episode 69. <laughs> episode 69, and today the intro and outro is the only thing I'm gonna do because Rob have prepared the entirety of the episode. I have nothing to do. My original plan was to do some form of quiz. Thank, thank you, thank you. But, <laughs> but it was too. Di- Wait, editor, add some claps, please. <laughs> Listen to Paul. He's just like, right, editor, can you take that bit out? Can you make me sound a bit better? And actually, now put that bit at the beginning, and then at the end, we'll finish with this. Speaking of the editor, if you want to hear more about the new editor, then you should listen to the pre-show. <laughs> you can access the extended conversation at Patreon.com/slash/LosBenSaidiPodcast. But yeah, Rob, I'm listening to you. I forgot about that bit. Sorry. Yeah, I always forget about that bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> my plan was to do some form of quiz, but it became quite difficult to figure out questions in the scoring, and it was just it's just not specific enough as a genre that we ride in. Like I don't know. So then I got onto just a nice list of quite personal questions about the cycling and our lives, and I have them here, and we'll open them up to all of us, and we can all offer answers in turn or as a group or whatever, and we'll see how it goes. Are we supposed to try and give kinky answers since it's episode 69? I guess that would be like, you know, well, there, uh, there, I don't, I'm losing my English. <laughs> you really threw me there. Uh, there is a couple of sexy questions. Look at that. Editor, add sexy voiceover or... No, uh, no, don't do that. Noise. That's so cringe. No. <laughs> I'm gonna, I need to stop playing with the editor. It's just, it's just so nice. Anyway. <laughs> I'm nervous for Rob's questions. No, it's it, the, the nice questions. We can just get straight into it. It's chill. For example, question number one. What is your earliest, earliest memory of fixed gear? So after having built my first fixed gear in my friend's backyard, my old hexagon frame had straps. And I had to get home. And I was like, whoa, how am I going to do this? And I just hopped on my bike and went for it. And it was like a 7K ride. And it was craziest feeling ever. Very different. Very, I was a bit scared, nervous. Really focused on like how crazy I was feeling the chain and the control of the bike. And then one point throughout the entire ride, I was going really fast and I forgot that I was fixed. And then I tried to coast and didn't, I didn't crash, but I was like, whoa, and like started going up and down. And then I just got control again and continued. Yeah, it bucks you like a horse in the beginning, doesn't it? When you don't, when you forget. Yeah, it was late at night, dark. I was like cruising through the streets. I remember exactly that moment and it was pretty nice. I could tell you my first memory of a fixed gear, but I have better. Yeah. When I first started fixed gear, I just used that for commute and I was not interested into the culture or anything. I was, it was just like a meaning for me to go from point A to B. At the same time, I was really into skateboarding and I was really into the culture, uh, into looking at other people's edits and training and knowing the brands, etc. I was really into that. I was a proper 2000 skater boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and still out. <laughs> I was like, 
Uh, as ugly as it sounds, I'm still I'm still some kind of a skater boy. <laughs> and then I moved to Japan. And in Japan, after the two first months, I was kind of depressed, not really making any friends. You know, I was just looking for a job, but you you don't know the language, and it's kind of hard. So I was not feeling great. And this is one of my favorite story because it literally changed my life forever. Yeah. One day. I go to the usual skate park I go, uh, not really able to communicate with people, but still, you know, you try your way and it's not, not you, you're not making friends, you know, you're making acquaintances, but not friends. And I break my board. Fuck. Okay. So I go to first shop, nothing interests me, go second shop. I was really on like the decks. I really wanted like a nice graphic. Mm-hmm. And I heard about that shop that is outside of Tokyo. So the next day, I take the train for an hour and a half, go to the shop, buy a deck. Dedication. <laughs> yeah. Build it in the shop. Talk a little bit with the nice lady that was speaking English because it was just next to uh, an American military base. Mm-hmm. And then I come back. And the in the train, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna stop one station before my stop just to just to give it a ride, just to feel it, you know. So I stop and I go through one of the park that I usually go through, and I see two or three people, dudes skating fooling around so i'm like okay i'm i'm gonna try to communicate with them and one of them was talking english and they were all riding fixed gear yo 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 this is slow i'm slowly getting to my point no, this is sorry good. it's really long this is the longer version of the story i've heard before so it's great i love it i'm loving the attention to detail now <laughs> i remember that really vividly one of them was kind of talking english so we tried to communicate and they tell me they're going to a party tonight But, you know, when you're not feeling too well, you kind of want to be by yourself, even if it's not always the right thing to be. I'm like, oh, I don't know, guys, I only have my board. I don't have a bike, so I'm not sure I can follow you around. And the dude is like, no, I live 200 meters away. So we walk there and then I'm going to lend you a bike and we're going to ride to the party. So So sick. And I'm like, okay. So we walk to his house and he lends me, I remember it really vividly. It was a KHS Flight 100 white, a 53. It was too small for me, but liked it anyway. No, actually, that's not the one. It was a KHS Aerotrack because that's the one uh, that's the one for another ride so he lends it to me and like okay you know how to ride this i'm like yeah i've ride fix the year before so it's fine and we go to the party it had drop bars i was riding risers at the time uh and then i see one dude you know doing the thing where you kind of sit on your top tube mm-hmm. while riding so i'm like oh this looks sick try to do that get my knee into the drops instantly crash oh. <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> they look at you me just, like, like push the bike slowly and you jump on the top tube no, when you when you're riding, yeah. you're on the saddle, yeah. okay. But while still riding, you drop and you sit on the top two mm-hmm. with your thigh, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so they're like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> let's just let's let's get on with it." So we go to the party. I meet amazing people. So I met friends that are still really close to me to this day. I also met Jury. Jury is the winner of the cycling world 
messenger championship from 2009 Yo, in Tokyo. Uh, he was DJing at that party. Anyway, we talk, etc. We stay up like super late. I think we ended up having breakfast at the end. It was so early in the morning. It sounds like a like a sick high school movie, like from the from Hollywood yeah, or something. Kinda. Like, yeah, it's dope. <laughs> and so they're taking me to that traditional Japanese breakfast thing and like hey we have a plan to ride today do you want to ride with us and i'm like yeah but i don't have a bike and like, oh it's fine you can just use this one and he points me towards the khs flight 100 white size 53 i'm like okay and we ride through tokyo my hands were freezing but i was discovering the city under a totally new eye you know mm -hmm. It's a totally new thing to discover a city when you take something else than just a train all the time. Or the subway or the metro or the tube, however you call it. And at the end of the day, so we stop for a snack and they're like, hey, do you like, uh, do you like the ride? I was like, it was fucking amazing. Uh, I'm going to try to find myself a bike because this is, this is awesome. And they're like, oh, okay, uh, let's go to Bruno's house. So I go to Bruno's house, uh, LaserXBruno on Instagram. And Bruno is like, hey, this is my Bianchi. I'm like, oh, yeah, it looks good. You like it? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Okay, it's yours now. Swat. End of the story. That is so sick. Met the guy. They gave me a bike the next day. What? My mom rides on this bike today. It's amazing. Wow, what great people. Not lovely people. Genuinely lovely story. And I went from, fuck man, I don't know if Japan is for me. Uh, and I'm probably going to go home in a few months to, I lived four years there. Wow. And this also sparked my interest for, you know, the culture of fixed gear more than just it's a meaning of transportation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's a good first memory of fixed gear. It was my really long answer. I'm sorry. No, it's a, to be honest, it's a genuine story. It's super nice to know that that is how, I mean, that is such an iconic moment in your life that actually yeah. developed you as a person and got you into something that we're still doing a podcast about till today. So worth telling it, man. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. Beautiful story. Rob, do you want to tell yours? Because I know you're the other one making questions, but you can still tell yours. I was working, I must have been about 19 years old, uh -huh. working in a bike shop in Newcastle, a uh, cycle center. And I don't think I'd been working there too long. Um, and a good, good friend of mine, a BMX rider, Ollie Olsen, comes in um, one day with a with a single speed fixed gear bike, like with riser bars. And I just didn't, it just blew my mind. And I'd never heard of fixed gear at all. I had no concept of not having a freewheel in some form, whether it be geared bike or non-geared bike and he i'd never seen a road bike with risers or just stripped down with no i just never seen it and i was like what the fuck is this shit and he was like what do you mean i was like what what are you riding it's a single speed road bike for he was like no it's a fixed gear and i was like what <laughs> and then he explained the whole concept and i've always been i've always respected ollie he's a great um, mechanic he knows everything about bikes he's a really strong bmx rider so when he was hyped about it i was starting to get like oh this is cool and then yeah i just was like on a mission from and i didn't understand geometry of like old steel bikes and one inch like really old stuff so i just 
found this like i think it was like a 50s or 60s like i think it's called hobbs it's a british brand they did like touring bike and my god like this frame was so fucking old and rusty and i just fixed this like bike together with no brakes and it was single speed in the beginning because i couldn't get a fixed gear cog anywhere there's no straps on it and i just rode it fixed single speed for a while what yeah, yeah, no brakes, single speed. Because I was used to riding BMX, no brakes. So you just yeah. put your foot on So you would just put, like, your foot on the wheel? Yeah, exactly. Catch red style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But on big wheel stuff, it's actually much harder to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, BMX, you tend to go a bit slower and you can yeah. just hop out the way and jump off the bike where you can't. And I, was st- and I like, not crashed, but, like, bumped a few times. And I was like, right. And then I got a fixed cog on and a back wheel. And I think I, like, had to grind something down to make it work. And it was super sketchy. Like, the spacing was all was all off. The chain line was off. And, but when it was fixed and I had, like, straps weren't around at the time. There's no such thing as straps. So we just made, like, uh, out of... Belts? No, out, Old belts. No, out of uh, inner tubes stitched onto something. And, like, diagonally across your pedal. And so you put your foot what? in sideways and, like, twist it. And then... Uh, That's so sketchy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then... <laughs> but then... It, but it was quite solid. Then I had some woman who... Um, made horse saddles out of leather and then she made me my first set of straps wow damn yeah and actually all straps are based on that model that i actually no i'm not saying i invented the fucking pedal strap at all i'm just (laughs) saying the first one i did went through a bmx flat pedal two on both sides and then pinned together with like a, a almost a clothing pin but they were made out of leather they were fucking sick they were really sick uh so that's the pretty much like my earliest memory and then yeah i booked a few times and forgot and tried to coast on and then it just threw me really high i was like oh (laughs) yeah so that's one of my earliest memories of fixed gear speaking of i don't know our first rides or whatever just gonna throw this in there but i haven't i don't think i've ever crashed on my fixed gear uh in back home like riding fixed gear for four years i think i've had one crash back in montreal and here in hamburg i've already had three four crashes I, I, I don't know what to say about the non-crashing <laughs> over four years. I'm absolutely gobsmacked. My silence was, I've been over car bonnets. I've been <laughs> into in buses. I've hit people. I've landed on a fat woman once. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell you, shall I tell you that story? Oh, my God. Yeah, go on. So I'm, I'm, this is really early on. This is like my second conversion, second or third conversion. Because the first one, I crashed into a car, bent the forks in the front wheel. So went and got another frame. I literally went over the bonnet of a car on the way to college, <laughs> like slid the bonnet while still on the bike and then landed back on the road and just carried on cycling. But the front <laughs> wheel was just rubbing off the, the fork and the fork was completely <laughs> twisted. I was so in panic that I just hit a car slid across the bonnet, still on the bike, landed back on the bike and just pedaled off as if nothing happened. <laughs> Locked my bike up. So threw that frame in the bin, got another uh, sketchy ass frame, which I think was already bent. It already had been in a car crash because the front end, the impact on the front end was fucked. Built that up, put some shit on it. I'm blitzing from college to, to I don't know where, oh, Heaton. I was living in Heaton at the time. So I was blasting back from Newcastle College and there's cars parked on, so I'm on the left-hand side of the road. Remember guys, not the right. So I'm on the left-hand mm-hmm. side of the road and the cars are all parked on the left-hand side. 
And then there's cars on, on the lane. So I'm going through traffic. Uh, and so the cars are on my right and cars are on my left. And I only have a gap just big enough for a bike to get through. And then there's two big double-decker buses. So I'm riding right fast through a tiny gap. And some big, big <laughs> woman just steps out into my line. And I'm just shouting, get out the way. I remember in slow motion. I remember, get out of the way. And I'm skidding. And it felt like I was skidding for ages and ages and ages. And she just turned and just looked at me. And I just plowed straight into her. The front wheel. Oh, wow. The front wheel bounced off the bike and like rolled down the street. And the bike <laughs> fell on the floor and I was literally on top of her, physically <laughs> on top of her. I had to like push my hands into her to get myself. Remember, people, this is exp- this is episode 69. This is episode 69. And then we made sweet, sweet love. No, I had to literally like my legs were on top of her. I was physically on top of her. There was no room left or right to us because we've got like a bus on the right hand side and a parked car on the left. So I remember putting my hands like into her belly to like push myself back off so I could stand up oh my god and then she was just crying and I was like fucking hell you just walked out in front of me and now I'm here like at the side of the road like you're alright you're alright sorry you'll be alright and and, I sat with her for like 10 minutes but that was really I had a lot of crashes in the beginning (laughs) next question what what advice would you give to someone wanting to get into fixed gear well (laughs) I can tell you right now if a beginner comes up to me, we talk a little bit, and then they tell me, I've never crashed. My only answer is going to be, don't worry, son, you'll crash soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> because it's going it to happen, happen no matter what. Yeah. Don't worry, child. <laughs> <laughs> Fix your Jesus is here for you, my child. I bless you, holy son. You will crash at some point. <laughs> I actually just made the symbol of a cross with my hand. You guys can't see me, though. Holy episode 69. <laughs> this, yeah. Sexy Are we going Jesus. to hell? Oh, yeah. Boy, that was way before that yeah, episode. Come on. Okay, Amanda, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get into fixed gear, new to fixed gear? Is there anything specifically you would say to them? I would say if you want to learn how to skid and if you want to be more of someone who skids, uh, ride with an easier ratio. Mm -hmm. What first came to mind was just tell them to enjoy the ride. Oh, that's good. That's so Amanda. Just enjoy the ride, kiddo. <laughs> Whether you face plant or not, enjoy it. <laughs> it's so funny because I was going to say the exact opposite. I had an impression of myself going, get on the fucking bike, you little pussy, and just fucking ride it. That was my advice to <laughs> No, I wouldn't say that, of course. Next question is... Let's get freaky. Who's the hottest out there on a bike right now? Well, it has to be me, right? okay i see that some people in this room don't agree with me i I, uh, I can agree i can say you're the sexiest and you you know what i'm 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 flexible so it's all right you know (laughs) me and my ego we're all right with that decision (laughs) like are you actually you mean you're literally flexible (laughs) like your legs 
are we going into the freaky side? Well, I, was, I thought that's what episode. you meant. I was like, oh, me too. I can do the split. <laughs> <laughs> can you? Yeah. Oh, cool. I did figure skating and gymnastics. You did figure skating. Cool. Ten years of figure skating. Yeah. I did about. How Canadian of you? Yeah. Well, how no, Canadian she's... of me? <laughs> I played. I played ice hockey for about seven years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Dope. Yeah, I loved it. So who's the best looking on a bike right now? Yeah, it can be style or it can just be sexiness. I reckon... I never remember... Uh, Rob, you're going to remember his Instagram handle. The Korean that does crazy stuff. Bangu. Not that Korean. The other one. <laughs> Hi, Tai, Tewa, something like that. Tang. Maybe. But first, he looks extremely good. Like... He is really, really handsome. Second, the speed of his tricks and sometimes how fucking violent they are. Yeah. I'm just like, this man, I, I'd, I'd bang this man. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Yeah, man. I love that response. So, oh, it's Moon something. Oh, yeah. He's fucking, oh, he's handsome. Moon Tai Haan. Yeah, that guy's legit. That guy's hot. Moon Tai Haan. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this, you're hot as fuck. <coughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he looks pretty good on a bike. He definitely does. Amanda? I would say one of my friends back home. <laughs> um, Will, if you're listening to this, he's always the model in the group. The natural See? poser, I'd say. Always ready for the camera. So yeah. I, li- <laughs> I like this guy. Hey, Will, what are you doing? Will, he rides Dos Noventa. Of course he does. Fuck you, Will. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) You deserve better than this, Will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a a hard one. I'm I'm going to choose Dost Aventa Riders as well. Um, Come on. I'm going to choose Kirby and. and I was going to say Kirby as well. His new. Kirby's hot as fuck on a bike. But also, Gerard looks amazing, I've got to say. Uh, he's another rider mm-hmm. for Dustin Venter. And he's a sick BMX rider. I got mad respect for that guy. He's popping some good stuff. Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, Kirby's new video that came out. Oh, it's is, pretty good. It's sick. Kirby and Dennis are just fucking killing it, man. It's like insane. Mm. I love it. Alright, back to my questions. What are one of your proudest moments while riding? One thing I've noticed while I've kind of um, realized or analyzed um, recently is how exactly a year ago I rode, I think basically it was my first ever big gravel race and it was at Grand Giro in Quebec in, at Charlevoix. Um, I did it with a friend of mine from Shadow Elite and it was my first time ever doing something like that. And then skip to one year later, exactly one year later, I'm here in Hamburg and I raced in Germany at Grand Giro. It's crazy how one year so much can change. So, And you made a podcast about it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm here with you guys. I'm, right, I'm working for Rad Race. It's just like, I think that's what I'm most proud of is like how I would never, if you would have a year ago, if you would have said, yeah, Amanda, you're going to be here right now i'd be like ha, yeah. no you're you're kidding me that's not possible that's something you should be super proud of that's so sick yeah i'm also just yeah. grateful i think and, and happy yeah cool uh i have mine it's gonna be a long story <laughs> do it that's what this episode's about it's about getting it's not that long can't be longer than the other one 
so the bike shop I was working in in Tokyo, W Base, uh, that is distributing Brooklyn Machine Works right now. We went to New York. So Marco, Gan, the boss, and me. Marco is another writer, and we all went there to meet again with Joe, the creator of Brooklyn Machine Work,、mm-hmm. and just. To you know, like put a deal through. That was the main purpose of our travel, but also to have fun. And it happened that it was at the same time of Bicycle Film Festival, so there were a lot of people in town. And the ten years of the brand Charlie and Co. If you know that brand, and Charlie and Co. For the ten years, they organized、uh, a sprint, but not a golden sprint that you would have for an event. You know, with two. Fixed bike and、uh, you know you sprint in front of a screen and something like that. No, like a real sprint between cars. You bring your bike and it's it was probably like two hundred meters one way and then you make you're making like a sharp turn around like a pole and it's two hundred meters the other way. Fucking hell! So you just instant one hundred and eighty degrees turn and come straight back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and everything is allowed. Kids, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so me and Marco arrive at the event because we have some prizes and stuff, and we decide to take part of a、uh, part in it. So the event starts, and there is that bunch of dudes arriving onto banging bikes, like deep carbon wheels, all wearing jerseys and stuff. And Marco and I are just here with normal bikes, you know, nothing fancy. So <laughs> they arrive. And I'm like, man, I really wish I'm not against one of them on the first race because it would take me out like race one, and I would like to race at least two or three races, right? And of course, first race, I go against one of them. Good, an athlete. Like, yeah, like athlete style. Yeah, like Amanda. Full on athlete style. Like Amanda, but as a man. And just looking really sharp and fast, but they all had、uh, one-sided SPDs,、oh. and it was a stop start. You know, so you have one foot on the ground.、Mm. <laughs> so I'm like pumping had adrenaline two hundred percent because I am literally scared of the guy on on my right. First race, I go clipping, don't loop behind me, and then it's over, and I come first.、I'm、yes, like, wow, that was really lucky. And then later, I heard that the guy didn't really clip in properly. I kind of heard that, but I was like, okay. So I go to round two. Round two again, an athlete. I'm like, dude, this this time it's over. I'm done. <laughs> We go. He clips in fast, and then we're pretty much on the same level for fifty percent of the course. And then comes the one eighty turn, and I just skid one eighty、yes. without even looking behind me. So he almost take my back wheel in the face, and I. So he got scared. So he really. Slow down, and I just finish the race.、You. And he's like, "Man, that's not fair." Blah blah blah. I need a redo, and I'm like, "Okay, let's do a redo." <laughs> We do a redo. I do the exact same thing, but now he knows that he needs to take his distances. And I finished first.、Yes. Oh yeah! And then we had like I think three other races, and in the end, out of probably the thirty people that were there. I finished first, and Marco finished second. Yes, that is sick. That is sick. I was so proud. No. Yeah, <laughs> little Paul was so proud of little, himself. Little fixie Jesus. 
Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my big moment. Especially Sean Wolf, the boss of King Kong, was there. Mm-hmm. Willis. The boss of Deluxe was there. Oh. Like, so many. Just done a mad flex. That's cool. Yeah, and I was like, "Damn, I'm doing it, mom. I'm doing it." <laughs> that's good. So yeah, I think that's one of my proudest moments. Cool. Good answer. Yeah. I think I'm gonna have to kind of share Manda's kind of vibe. Just yeah, not being on a bike for like five or six years, and then getting back in a fix, picking up the dusting off the fixed gear, then just being like, right, fuck it, I'm gonna go to Berlin, meeting new people, then just move out there, stay out there, and become more myself by following my passion for riding. I think that's what I'm the most proudest of. Feel more myself. That's so brave, though, to just move on your own. Yeah, I enjoy it. I don't like being in the same place too long. I like moving. Yeah. Yeah, talk to me about it. <laughs> yeah, you hear yeah. the minute. I feel like also just moving somewhere else, it makes you learn so much about the world and it makes you become such a more open minded person. Oh, 100%. The more you travel, the more you see the world, the more open minded you become. So yeah, clear. I was that, that, yeah. Yeah, stuck too long in Montreal because of COVID with too many closed minded people. I'm so happy to have just taken a plane and and left yeah (laughs) the independence you gain and self-awareness and self-confidence from actually doing shit even if it's just moving to a city even if you know someone there whatever just actually getting your shit together and going to do something and living somewhere else for a while you can always go back you know you can always go back home but just i think you just gain so much from it Mm-hmm. Next question. All right. Back on the 69. What is your biggest bike turn on? My biggest turn on for someone on a bike is authenticity. Ah, mm. that's a good answer. If I see that you're the kind of people that just ride and don't have a need for social media glam or flexing all over your friends or even the people that you don't know, you don't need for that extra recognition. You just sufficient by yourself mm-hmm. then oh my god that's hot mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh i know what mine is now i've got to say balls to ride fucking hard and ride confident oh and knowing your own ability and actually owning that shit and not being overly uh, arrogant about it mm-hmm. that having actual balls to like push yourself and push your abilities i think that's fucking huge turn on Mm. I like it. That's why yeah, I said I like not it. balls in the literal sense, because I wouldn't get turned on by balls. Um, and yeah, and 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 by meaning non-literal sense, I mean like a female or male can have balls in terms of how much they yeah. push themselves. Yeah, yeah. Some people would be into that, you know. Balls. <laughs> Liter- literal one. I'm yeah. sure many people are into balls. Testicles come. Yeah. In. <laughs> they, they, they play a good part in having sex generally uh yeah yeah, i I, I get that i'm going more on the the physical side of things but um guys who have really nice legs (laughs) oh yes what the fuck like 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 road cyclists like big quads and big (laughs) or like mountain bikers Oh my god. If we do a slow spin society meeting, I want everybody to come into shorts. I'm just gonna wear really <laughs> tight trousers and just be like, oh no, no, I don't have oh, no. I, I don't have good legs. 
Anyway, but that's. I want to compare, I'll... guys. We have to all three of us compare our quad. Fuck off! I'm definitely gonna lose. I don't, this. Even, I don't even know what quad is. Quad is the top of the leg. Top of the leg? Quad, yeah. Like above the knee? Yeah, above the knee to your hip, your quad at the front. Okay. I've actually got. All okay, I'm looking quads. at. I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, oh, this is not bad, but I have no way to compare with anyone else. I feel else, like Amanda so, might um... have fucking hellish good quads. <laughs> <laughs> fucking quadzilla out there. <laughs> <laughs> but also someone who's on that authentic and who rides balls. <laughs> so you just stole both of our um, answers. It's also very like, hot. Yeah. <laughs> and then just add the legs and yeah. got the whole the whole package. <laughs> oh, oh my god. I just I just love Amanda's package. So he needs to have great legs. Authentic and balls, big ones. But we don't need to see this guy's face because it's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just just the legs, man. Yeah. <laughs> you guys talking about cycling, so I was like, okay. Yeah, legs are amazing. Like, okay, also, I never used to be down with dudes who shaved their legs, but like, but after a year of um, road cycling and being in the more um racing industry it's kind of nice it's like a yeah. work of art it's like look yeah. at my veins and every ounce of my leg fuck no <laughs> this is getting hot guys fuck this no. is getting hot so to please amanda you need to be arrow no basically. uh <laughs> no don't not at all don't you have don't have to, to shave your legs for me to please me no <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't have to be, but it looks Shame nice. for me, you peasant. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, women, we have to do it anyways, so, like, might as well know how we have to live, <laughs> what we have to deal with, so. Okay, back on to the questions. This is just generally, I wanted to know, where are you both born? I'm a child of the world. I come from <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Um, I'm born and raised in Montreal. I was born. This is going to be a long story. The universe created me <laughs> before I was nothing. And then I gained consciousness. And two wheels. <laughs> two wheels. So I was born on a really, really, really tiny island uh, next to Madagascar called Reunion Island. What? Yeah. All right. Wasn't wasn't not expecting that. <laughs> what is it called? It's called Reunion Island. Rain. It is technically a part of France. Uh, but yeah, I'm an island boy. Fucking hell. Looks, I, I, I can see why. Not expecting you to say that at all. Reunion it's a pretty Island? Place. Yeah. Have you watched a film Madagascar? <laughs> Does off. it remind you of home, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Talking zebras are my shit. <laughs> Oh, I love the talking penguin. You're the best. <laughs> Madagascar is generally a pretty good movie. I have to agree. And did you grow up on that island? So I grew up until I was seven. No way. Then I moved to Africa and then it's a whole other story. And you moved to Africa? Where in yeah. Africa? Uh, West Africa. I, I lived in Senegal and Kenya. What? Yeah. That's why you've got a strange I, accent. I <laughs> genuinely, though, this being said, talking about zebra, I genuinely had breakfast with zebra in the world. What? Amazing. What the fuck? Yeah. When you live in Kenya, 
safaris are it's not a common thing but it's a thing that you can do and okay do you speak uh, the, the languages the languages so amanda Brandon island is a part of france so they speak french oh, really? and then senegal they speak french oh, and then really? kenya they speak english oh, really okay. but like are, isn't there like a, a native dialect yeah there is there is like you have like in like creole or yeah creole but i don't speak it okay Did you speak any of it? No, not anymore. So, so how old were you when you learned English? Probably 17. See, that was a good question. I'm glad I asked that question. I had no idea about that. Next question. Wait. Oh, sorry. Yes. P Rob, you didn't answer. Oh, yeah. I'm from... Yeah. I'm, I was born and bred in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, northeast of England. <laughs> <laughs> that was really fast. Yeah, that, 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 there's not much of a story behind that one. <laughs> I was born on the moon and uh, raised by a, by a wolf. Um, <laughs> on the moon? Yeah, on the moon. On the moon. Sick story, bro. Yeah, until I was about six and a half. And then from there, I went to um, to the Antarctic, where, where the wolves gave me to another family of bears. And I was really... <laughs> all right. And, and the bears gave you the next question. The, the, exactly. Thank you. Leading on to the next question. What is a common myth about fixed gear that you would like to debunk? Open quote. Man, fixed gear will fuck your knees. Mm. Close quote. This is the heaviest bullshit I ever heard. If you ride properly with a not fucking dumb heavy ratio, fixed gear will not fuck, will not fuck your knees. And if you're part of the people that said, oh, I have one of my knees and it's already bad. I don't know if I can do fixed gear. This is also bullshit. I had surgery on both of my knees. Yeah, I had surgery on one. And it's fine. Yeah. I think it actually can strengthen your knees, to be honest. Amanda, do you have any myth? That, I don't know, like that all fixed gear riders. Like some people have like, the, I can have maybe a perception of fixed gear riders. And they're like mm -hmm. punk and like super, I don't know, like underground, we're all black and I don't know, you know, that type yeah, of... Yeah, that whole myth of like yeah. messenger culture just doesn't quite yeah. exist anymore. Fix gear is something completely different now. Yeah, exactly. Like that's not, yeah. that's not what, that's not everything. That's not the package. That's not all you get in fix gear. Yeah, exactly. What do you mean, bro? You need to come from the streets to be a real <laughs> fix gear rider. I'd say that, um, yeah, maybe not a myth or anything, but people uh, say it to me, went, oh, fixed gear, is that where you, like, pedal backwards to break? And I'm like... Oh, fuck oh, off, my yeah, God. this one. Yeah, like, no, you don't physically pedal backwards because it's a fixed gear and you can't... I mean, if you pedal backwards, you'll go backwards. <laughs> so it's, everyone's like, oh, it's pedal backwards, right? And I'm like, mm, no. But how can you ride without brakes? <laughs> yeah, oh. that's so annoying. Yeah, to this point, we could do the entire, like, boomer thing about them discovering a fixed gear. Yeah. Can we also lay on the fact that please don't call it a fixie? <laughs> you hate that. It's a f you hate Oh, I fucking hate it. You hate I fucking hate it. It's a fixed gear or a track bike or a fixed whatever you want. But a fixie is bullshit. Yeah. Okay. I would like to take this moment to make a mention to someone, if that's all right with you guys. Yeah. Uh -huh. Last week I met um, Brad from Norfolk, Norfolk Fixie. He's actually called Norfolk Fixie. 
Brad um, lost his wife to breast cancer recently and he's been, uh, he reached out to the Fixed Gear Pirates and he's, he listens to the podcast and he sent us uh, some really nice messages to say how much it meant to him that he has the podcast to listen to, the content that we create and Aww. the community that we're trying to build and touched me really really hard and uh, finally last week on the night ride he came in from Norfolk and we we got to hang out and go on the night ride for the pirates and it was just genuinely genuinely absolutely lovely to meet him he's doing a big ride from Norfolk to the south of Spain somewhere on his fixie bike packing to raise money and awareness for um, breast cancer or any kind of cancer I guess so if uh, I'd like to put that in the show notes, Paul, if that's all right. And if anyone wants yeah. to support that ride and support Brad on his journey, I'd love anyone to offer any support. So I just want to say a big shout out to, to Brad. If, if I'm assuming at some point he'll get to episode 69 and have a listen. So just wanted to say. What a story. Yeah, it was really quite heart filled. And um, all right, you guys ready for the next question? Who has been your biggest influence when looking at content or whatnot or riding or personal friends or whatever in your riding life? Fix, fixy life. <laughs> I can go first. I know my answer if you want. Yeah. I just have to say Matthias from Fix Berlin. Uh, like a brother to me. We lived together for the last year and a half or whatever. And the guy's incredible. Rider. Passionate about life. And everything that he does, he, he's, he's uh, been one of the biggest influences on me. What about you, Paul? One thing I could say is uh, I recently released an article on the blog about my one of my favorite hangout day in Tokyo. And I mentioned Good People, Good Coffee, which is a mm -hmm. my all-time favorite coffee shop. The owner there, Tomoshi-san, probably taught me 80% of everything I know about cycling. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. Him and my grandpa, because he was an amazing cyclist, Aww. and he also taught me a lot about photography. So that's kind of where the mix comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a he was a cool dude. <clears throat> Sweet. That's a beautiful answer. For me, two answers. Uh, one would be a big influence on me has been the cycling community in Montreal. The iBike team, the iBike crew, my colleagues at iBike, the mechanics. Yeah, my boys, my friends. Also, I feel like there was always like um, a small influence that was more distant and never like face to face. And I guess it would be you guys. Oh, <laughs> don't say that. We're terrible influence. <laughs> That's a really sweet thing to say. I'd also like to just add to that, like anyone out there just riding is is a huge influence. And um, yeah, we're we're fixed gear orientated and it's really nice to be part of this community and for anyone out riding fixed gear, yeah, keep doing it. Keep pushing, keep riding, keep being yeah. yourself. Because you people out there are just fucking amazing. Yeah. I just have that huge folder on my PC of just cool shit I see online of people riding bikes. Yeah. It's literally what motivates me to do this Lisbon Society in the first place. I wanted to see more cool shit online. So I was thinking by making content around fixed gear, people will ride more mm -hmm. and I can see more cool shit. Yeah. Just hype it up, you know, yeah. like... 
Yeah. Just wanting everyone to get together and create shit and push each other. Absolutely. Even though we're a one single person on the bike, it's not a, really a team sport. It is some way a team sport because we all Absolutely. push each other to ride. Yeah. Good answer. Absolutely. So this is quite a tricky one, I think, uh, well, or an interesting one. Anyway, what is one of the biggest uh, failures you've come across and how have you learned from it in terms of riding? Something that you've learned from and it's hit you hard, maybe. I'd say something that's been the hardest for me to deal with, and I've come across it way too many times, all the time, <laughs> is being a woman in the cycling industry. Being a female bike mechanic is also difficult. And every day or almost every day or just, you know, doing this for the past couple of years, always had to deal with a lot, always had to put up with a lot, had to keep my mouth shut many times and just deal with stuff and deal with a lot on my shoulders. What I guess gets me through it is meeting the good people in all of it. Well said. And sorry, you still have to deal with daily shit like that. Sucks. Yeah, it's important that people understand that women in cycling are more of a blessing than anything else. It's so fucking cool <laughs> to see chicks on bikes. <laughs> It's the dopest shit ever. Yeah. So just don't be a huge asshole doing gatekeeping. Be open-minded. Be nice. I know like 100% of the people listening to this are on my side was this but fuck yeah let's bring more women into cycling in general and fix gear cycling because this just looks sick absolutely and anyone can enjoy riding fast or slow long or short doesn't matter paul do you have anything you struggled with i would say mine is i'm really about authenticity it's really important for me to the point that sometimes it's too much. I will 100% agree with that. I can be quite an ass on that subject. Because for me, if you're not real, you're part of the problem. You're part of my problem. And I think my biggest, I would say failure, I would not say failure, but I would say difficult thing to handle is some people in, and you can take every possible community everywhere into any kind of sport or hobby, anything. Some people are going to be full of toxicity towards other people, towards women, mm -hmm. towards why you ride. It, it could be anything. It's just they just like to be judgmental and not nice in general. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with that. It was really difficult for me to detach me from it. It used to take a lot of space in my head. I wanted to save everyone. I wanted to be the hero that was going to fight the posers, the toxic dudes, everyone. Well, you can't do it all. Yeah, you can do it all. And it took me a while to say, dude, I don't give a shit. I need to focus on myself and the people I love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if there's time for the other stuff after that, then yeah, but you have to sort yourself out. I don't know if it's not even a question of time. It's probably that, hey, if I surround myself by only nice people, there is probably never going to be space for any toxicity mm -hmm. yeah. inside this circle. Mm -hmm. So I would say my biggest failure in, in terms of my riding life and what happened into my fixed gear venture is to, you can't be perfect, so it will probably also happen to you. But I did, at some time, surrounded myself with one or a few very toxic people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it took me 
so much mental and physical energy to get out of this just black hole that now I'm just more careful in general. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I kind of went through the something similar. So I'm with you on that. Black hole of toxicity is difficult to get out of. The cycling industry can be toxic. Yeah. All industries can be toxic. What about you, Rob? The crash that I had three months ago definitely changed my confidence level. And that's something I'm trying to figure out still in terms of fitness and ability on the road and risk that I take on the road. It's something that I'm still trying to learn from and how to move forward. I think for a while I felt like I want to just get back to how I was before, but I was obviously pushing a bit too hard in terms of risk and that can cause serious injury and it did still not quite learned from it yet on how to get back or move forward from uh, an accident or a, la- a lack of confidence i don't have a huge lack of confidence on the road i still ride pretty well but I've, I've definitely changed my perspective so i'm still trying to figure out a way to to, to learn and adapt from that mm-hmm. is, is what it definitely is. yeah i get that yeah after a crash, when you lose confidence, it takes some time. Yeah, yeah but this especially is a whole other level, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, especially a big one that, like, like you had. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because like I said, I've, I've crashed my whole life. Do you know what I mean? Not my whole life, but I've had accidents. But this one, this one definitely changed yeah. something for me. Please be careful. I am... Absolutely. I need a he- Rob in my life, man. <laughs> I need a Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm sticking around. You better. I think this is the perfect last episode 69 question. Have you ever had sex on a bike? I knew it! I knew it! This question was going to be asked. Like, the moment we started this podcast, I was like, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for this question. <laughs> To that question, I will answer with another question. How the fuck is that possible? I know how it's possible. <laughs> Hold on, what? No, nothing. You can't stop now. No, I have... Okay, I want to know you guys' answers first. I, um... <laughs> Don't lie. You guys can't I'm not lie. lying. I've never had sex. I'm trying to think of something cool to say that even relates to having sex to do with bikes. I mean, I've gone on a bike ride with someone bikepacking. Yeah, and then you have sex. Yeah, but sadly I wasn't on a fixed gear. <laughs> on a gravel bike. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that <laughs> that's I've definitely led or orientated sex from a bike ride with a partner. Interesting. But to, not to having sex physically on a bike or while riding. How are you, Paul? Uh, I feel like you could know if you've ever had sex on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> It has to be on it. You can't, you can't place it on the ground. And you know what's better than having sex on a bike? What, having sex in a bed? It's having sex in a fucking bed, bro. <laughs> Beds are nice and that's what they're made yeah, for. Yeah, but sometimes you just want to fuck, you know? It doesn't matter where you are. Let's say I'm riding the bike. No, it doesn't even work. No, I don't. I can't figure it out. Sorry. It's not my thing. I mean, not that I, it wouldn't be my thing. I'm just saying that I'm getting lost here. <laughs> I'm <laughs> spiraling. Um, so, yeah, that's a no. That's quite clearly a no from Paul. Okay, yeah. I mean, that was obviously a no. <laughs> I'll have to let you guys down, but I'll also go with a no. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, but I know someone who has. <laughs> I would be interested in it just to know how the fuck he did it. I I understand how it works. <laughs> what physically sex on a bike? Yeah. While riding. Was it a tandem? No, not while riding. Oh yeah, just just like the okay, bike okay. is put down and it's leaning against a table. And then you have sex on the table. That's basically having sex yeah, on the but floor. Yeah, that's too hot in it. Think of that scene. Just fucking away and it's just fixies. Ah, oh, it's hot in it. It's just, <laughs> I'm so sorry just, if you're listening to that podcast in the car with your kid. Yeah. Maybe we put a pre-warning at the start saying this is episode 69 and it gets a little raunchy. Ah, so yeah. So no, no and no. Yeah. Well, I've had sex pretty we close sound- to my bike <laughs> while on a bike ride. Yeah, as well. I Same thing with you, Rob. Like I'm on the same exact page. Yeah, okay. You, go, you guys go on to the same page. <laughs> And Paul's at the back of the book. Yeah. <laughs> In the credits. Special special thanks. Special thanks to the guy that has nothing to do with sex or bikes. <laughs> well, I guess it's on that rowdy note that we're going to end this episode. I feel like many people are going to go watch porn after listening to this podcast. That's plausible. Bike porn. Send us a DM. Guys, get your OnlyFans ready. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, everything we discussed today, including our OnlyFans account, <laughs> will be in the show notes on slowspinsociety.com, along with the various articles and write-ups that I post every two weeks. The Slow Spin Society is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get value out of a show, why not consider putting value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash podcast to join the community we're pledging at any level. We'll grant you access to the extended cut of the pre- and after-show. Special thanks goes to our 38 Patreon supporters making this show possible and ad-free. We love you guys. We love you. You can also find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes. Always our Instagram account at slowspensidi. Rob is at currency.co. Amanda is at Amanda C. Berger. And I go at underscore Paul underscore you underscore your girl underscore only fan. <laughs> underscore fixie Jesus. Underscore fixie Jesus. Sharing the podcast with your friends is by far the easiest way to support the show or by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Amaria. And the illustration is by me. Time to go on to an after show. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Have a good one. Bye bye. Bye for now. Ciao. And don't forget to get laid. <laughs> go get laid on a bike and tell us about it. Bye.